G'day guys, Luke McElroy from Mets Performance Consulting. Welcome back to another episode of the Physiology Secrets Podcast. What have we got today, Nick? Yeah, so interesting one that um, over the last little while, particularly the last couple of weeks, we had a bunch of emails and, and questions come through um, on Instagram to both our, our Mets page. So if you've got, got questions, keep them coming through uh, at Mets Performance on Instagram. But a um, couple of questions about lactate testing and lactate testing in the field off the back of seeing a lot of pros doing it. So um, if you keep up to date, particularly from a triathlon uh, sense, a long course triathlon, guys like Lionel Sanders posting a lot about taking blood lactate in just regular training sessions. So not necessarily uh, waiting for a lab test or a, or a testing session per se, but going and doing his normal training and then testing his blood lactate. Um, the Norwegian crew are, are sort of all over that too. They're all kind of part of that same group now, as far as I understand, in terms of Sanders training with the, the likes of Eden and Blumenfeld. So uh, we've had a lot of questions around, well, if the pros are doing it, should we be doing it as well as, as amateurs? And, and ultimately, uh, people sort of asking us about which lactate analyzers and things like that uh, should we be using and how to interpret the data. So we thought we'd just do a bit of a breakdown of a bunch of different factors that go into us, uh, some pros and cons around it, a bit of history around the different points we might be looking for, and then and then some, I guess, some practical takeaways that you... If you are looking at blood lactate, a few things to consider before you, you sort of dive right in um, and, and sort of get get fully immersed in the uh, the world of taking your blood lactate uh, regularly. So um, did you want to start with some pros and cons, I guess, of the lactate testing process? Yeah, I think uh, it's becoming more popular and anything that's that's going toward, more towards scientific than, than anecdotal, we're a fan of. So I want to start off by saying that I'm a fan of doing lactate testing. Obviously, we, we do it here. We do it with <laughs> VO2 stuff and oxygen consumption as well. Um, it just comes down to understanding what your goal is and, and whether taking lactate by itself is going to achieve that goal. Um, I, I guess the, the, the first thing I'll say is from a pricing perspective, it's not too bad. Like a lactate analyzer will be seven or $800. It's about $5 a strip to, to actually take lactate. So it's a, I guess it's a, for a, uh, if you're gonna do it regularly, it can be an expensive process, $5 per strip. Um, but look, it can be effective as long as you know what you're looking for. And that's, I guess they're the questions that we get is, is I mean, we get any question from how do we actually take an effective pinprick because yeah. they can't get blood out to, yeah. to, you know, who are your suppliers and things like that. Uh, and we're more than happy to help people. But as I said before, it comes down to the goal of, of the testing. Um, and I think the main thing is, you know, are you trying to identify your training zones, whether that's your zone two aerobic and your, and your functional threshold power? versus monitoring improvements. And I think it's a very effective tool to monitor improvements. If you can do some sort of you know, ramp test or time trial and have lower lactate in six weeks times compared to when you actually started, that's obviously a, uh, an indicator that you've had an effective training program. Um, it is good for identifying thresholds, but that's where I suppose it can get tricky with, with you know, one metric. And we, unless it's in the pool, we would never just take lactate. We would always cross correlate it with our ventilatory responses. Um, and there's a couple of things historically that you look for with lactate testing. Um, I think the, the oldest method is to look for your obla, your onset of blood lactate accumulation. And people are still looking for that today. And all that is, it's a generic number of four millimoles of lactate. And there's some really old research which basically said that, hey, your, your threshold, so your, your, your maximal sustainable pace for 45 to 60 minutes happens at four millimoles. And it's a bit of a bell curve. Yeah, that's pretty good for 65, 70% of people, but it's totally inaccurate for the rest. Um, I don't reach my, my threshold till six and a half, seven millimoles. Um, and other people are gonna hit it at 2.8 or three millimoles. So it's gonna be very different for 
for different people. And that's where, where uh, you've got to be careful with, with um, your analysis of the, of the data. We still get people come to us and say, I just want to find four millimoles. That's all I need, four millimoles. And I was like, well, it's not necessarily correlated to your, to your threshold. Yeah. So you need to take it with a grain of salt. So I, I think um, if, if you understand the proper protocol, and you know what you're looking for, and for us it's normally a two millimole jump in lactate, so going from say six, six to eight plus, or it could be from three to five, or it could be from four to six if you're a more typical athlete, that's fine. That would indicate your threshold. Um, but it's weighing up the cost of that versus I suppose just going out and doing a 20 minute time trial or a 60 minute time trial or, or, or whatever you wanna do. So I think there's definitely benefit in doing it if you get your, get your protocols correct. Um, and then I guess you just have to weigh up the cost benefit of, of, of constantly taking the lactate because it's not an easy thing to do. Like it, it, whenever we get an intern come in to start with us or whether yep. we get anybody to, to take a pinprick, it's not the easiest thing to do. You're shaking all over the place. You're not yeah. used to it. And then in theory, you should be trained by a qualified professional to, to ethically and legally take take blood lactate as well. Obviously, if you're doing it on yourself, who cares? But uh, you couldn't just get a, in theory, you couldn't just get a level one tri coach to do it, even yeah. though they might, but you shouldn't. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess that's an overview. I, I think it, it it's beneficial if you know what you're doing. But then there's there's all these different terms: obla, ventilatory threshold, anaerobic threshold, lactate inflection point, lactate threshold, functional, uh, threshold. functional <laughs> threshold power, and just trying to figure out what what you're looking for. And in this one, it's specifically our lactate threshold, which should correlate pretty closely to our ventilatory threshold. Uh, and I, I want to throw it back to you in a sec. I'm just sort of taking up all the all the airtime at the moment. But I, I guess what we do, our method basically is to find that for your, for your functional threshold power, so your maximal sustainable pace for an hour, we look for two things, and they should correlate at identical points in theory. It should be a two millimole jump in lactate, so going from say five to seven, and it should be a, the second exponential increase in your, or, or sorry, a second non-linear increase in your ventilation, okay? So when you, you go from breathing consistently to all of a sudden having to breathe a bit more and that indicates that you've you've exceeded that threshold as well so when you can correlate both of those things we can get an individualized metric of exactly where your threshold is whereas if we looked at in isolation probably okay for 65 or 70 percent just looking at lactate but you'd get some uh, some significant inconsistencies with the other 30 odd percent of people because of those um the the Lab, lab data is not always perfect unless you've yeah. got multiple things to look at. Yeah. Uh, anything to add on that? Mate? Yeah, I think just touching back on that point of that two millimole jump, like we said, it's like there, there's a, there's a, there is a portion of people you could, like if you did happen to get someone who showed really textbook lactate data, um, you could in theory still get zones and things like that from that. But the one thing that I guess coming back to that two millimole increase or two millimole or more increase is probably the best way to define it when we're looking for things like that, that threshold point is... Um, we have to remember that every device we have, whether it's your power meter, whether it's your heart rate monitor, whether it's your, your lactate meter, meter, whatever it is, has some form of error as well. So that's the thing that you've got to be mindful of when you are taking it, is there is going to be a small portion of error. So on a day that we might actually measure 4.1, in reality, it could potentially actually have been a 4.4 or a 3.7. It's just that there is going to be a device error there. Um, so that's why we also look for that um, that two millimole or more increase when we're looking purely at blood lactate, purely to, I guess, overcome that error first. Um, but then coming back to the, the ventilation aspect, like what, what we what we also see, not only is it just this increase in 
ventilation. The other the other part that we look at, and we like, I sometimes bring this up when we've um, when we're looking at the data post test, is that disproportionate increase in ventilation for what your oxygen consumption is doing. That's that secondary component. It's like we're breathing a bucket load, um, and, and our ventilation is really starting to increase. We're trying to get a lot of air in, but comparative to how our oxygen consumption is coming up, or ultimately our VO two. Um, VO2 is sort of just trickling up. They're still increasing for sure, but our ventilation is coming up at a much quicker rate. So that that's one of those other key indicators for us that um, uh, other than just looking at what our breathing is purely doing, it's the relationship with our, with our oxygen consumption that that ultimately it's, it's going to happen at a similar point. We're going to see those two things together. But um, that's another one that really clearly stands out from a graph perspective. When you look at that profile, that's the one that really clearly tails off um, if you're looking at it and... and can really clearly identify where things are starting to get really, really hard for us. Yeah, and I think the, I mean, most people are pretty good at figuring out where their their functional threshold power is, so the maximal sustainable pace for 45 to 60, because you can just do a time trial. You do a 20-minute time trial, a 60-minute time trial. You do a, a okay, just a, a pre-programmed ramp test from Zwift. I think it comes out with a FTP yep. number. and. Yep. Most of the time, they're very close. They're pretty close. We come in and, and a new client comes in and we say, hey, what's your FTP? And they say, oh, 260. And sure enough, sure enough it's, it's, probably, with, it's probably within yeah, 10, yeah, 15 watts exactly most of the time. Right. It's pretty close. It's very close. And that's because you know, your threshold is pretty easy to measure. As long as you're motivated to do the test and you're going and you're pacing it appropriately where you can hold you know, the, the right power output or a consistent power output, they're going, the FTP tests are going to be plus or minus about 10 or 15 watts. They're going to be very close. Um, so to get that zone, you, you don't really need to do your lactate. I think where the lactate analyzing uh, is really beneficial is, is the zone two stuff. It's that sub sub threshold work where you know you don't want to use two twenty minus your age and take a yeah. percentage of that to figure out what your zone two aerobic rides or aerobic runs should be. Lactate will give you a, a direct measurement of that, but they, the same it's the same problem in the sense that you know they say hey two and a half millimoles should be your zone two, but again there's individual differences. Whereas if you can cross correlate that with your your ventilation data, same as before, you can find out where that first spike is uh, in ventilation and also the first spike in lactate, and they should plus or minus thirty seconds occur at the same at the same point. So for some people it might be one point eight, others it might be two point nine. It could be even low threes potentially. Yep. Um, but in terms of getting close enough is good enough. I mean, yeah, you could do it, find out, do a steady state effort and, and find the point where your lactate goes from, let's say, mid twos to a, a jump of from mid twos to a three. Well, you'd say, look, that three is probably a bit too, of, too higher in intensity for that zone two. And it might not be exact. It might be close, but it might not be exact. But again, you can use that as a monitoring tool in six weeks or 12 weeks time to see, well, all right, last time at 210 watts, I was 2.6 lactate. And now at 210 watts on 2.2, well, clearly your zone two has now increased and you can afford to go a little bit higher yeah. um, than that previous wattage. So that, I think as a monitoring tool, it would be really good. Um, obviously, if you want to get it exact, you need to go through the, the both the, the oxygen consumption side and the lactate. But it's certainly, just lactate alone is certainly a step in the right direction, particularly for zone two. It's probably not, I don't think it's that really necessary for, for the threshold because you can you can kind of just do a time trial test, for, at least yeah. for the better athletes, the better, the more experienced athletes that are motivated and can be consistent on time trials. Yeah. Maybe not so much for the for the newer athletes that just can't push hard for 20 minutes or, yeah. or whatever Or don't know it is. how hard to push for that 20 minutes, yeah. Yep, that, that's where you, you might want to take some lactate. But then if they're not that experienced, then just do some training and get fitter as well. You don't have to get too scientific about it regardless. I guess the other thing I want to mention is is that um, it's not all about just finding your zones. And that's obviously a very important 
benefit of doing lactate testing as well as VO2 max testing, but it's 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 the the what to do to improve once you've got the, those numbers. And that's why we always talk about our FeO2, our fraction of expired oxygen, because that tells us exactly whether you need to do long, slow, aerobic, continuous training, or whether you need to do some high intensity interval training. Um, we can look at the lactate, like does lactate go from 2.5 to four to six to eight to 10, or does it go from 2.5 to four to 10 to 20 yeah <laughs> and that's gonna that's gonna manipulate what type of training that you need to do and if it goes to 20 well you need to probably improve your rope power because you should be able to metabolize some of that and if it goes to to 10 well maybe you need to improve your lactate tolerance so that in the future it can get to 15 or 16 so there's there's other there's other um, pieces of information that you can get from lactate testing than just your zones it's it's the it's the uh, i guess the um, the information behind those numbers and the, and the type of jump, how much and how quickly and, and how, you know, that type of information that, that can provide some really good insights as well. Uh, I don't reckon there's too much more to talk about, mate. Do you have anything? Um, the only thing, coming back to your point on, on things like um, threat, like functional threshold, sort of an interesting thing I heard recently around describing it. This probably does suit a lot of those experience rise and coming, coming back to our point on some of these estimates that you get from from your apps and your devices that when you come in here, it, they end up being quite close as long as the power meter on, on the, on the, or the kicker that we use when we're testing is similar to the power meter you're using at home and things like that. Um, it's, it's that sort of semi-intuitive point of you, you know, above it, you're probably going to fatigue a lot quicker and below your threshold, you're probably going to fatigue a little bit slower. It's sort of an interesting thing, like in terms of talking about functional threshold that I thought was an interesting point because Ultimately, yeah, we like we were going to expect some higher blood lactate like accumulation past FTP, below FTP. We're probably not going to expect as much. So um, that that's where another one where it's like lactate testing just for that identification purposes. You're probably going to intuitively know a bit where that sort of sits just just on that feeling of oh yeah, I could sustain this for quite some time. Or all right, now I'm probably above FTP and I'm starting to starting to hurt quite quickly. Um, I think that's probably just an interesting one to to keep in the back of your mind. But as we said, it's like unless we're if you're going to go and just test a handful of sessions and then that's kind of it and then we're not really going to look at anything else, I don't think there's too much use. If we're looking for really particular things, we're matching it up and we're putting in context with other data, I think that's where it has its its best effectiveness. We're not just looking at blood lactate in, in isolation and absolutely nothing else. We're looking at, well, what are the other things around that that might be contributing or might be a, a, another factor in that whole equation? Because as we've said before on the podcast, like the body doesn't work ever in isolation there's so much complexity to it and all the systems combined that um an influence of what's happening from a blood lactate perspective well as we said that's there's going to be a, a response from a ventilation perspective that's also going to influence what happens from a heart rate perspective our oxygen consumption is going to be different like all of these things are going to be interrelated uh, so if you are looking at it in in a wider context great uh, if we're just looking at purely in isolation and, and a handful of sessions that kind of one and done type thing that's where it's probably not going to have as much applicability. And that's where you'll see, I think probably coming back to the, the, the professionals who are using it. Yeah, they might post on Instagram once or twice that they're doing lactate testing. And you might not see it all the time. And it sort of seems like they're, oh, they've just tested a swimming session here and there. But I can probably guarantee in the background, the stuff that they're not showing you is they're probably testing that same swimming session every week over a period of six to eight weeks. Or, or they're testing it at regular intervals of four to six weeks, whatever it might be. Um, and they're accumulating a lot of data around that as well, again, to build the context behind it, not just necessarily uh, black, blood lactate was higher comparatively to, to 
like yesterday or whatever it might be. It's like that's almost irrelevant. Those day to day shifts. It's it's those longer trends over time that always are going to be your best friend when it looks at when you're looking at tracking performance and tracking training improvement. Yeah, absolutely. I think as a summary of, of what we've spoken about today, I've just jotted down some notes. I think if your goal to, for, for lactate testing is to identify your zones, I, I think it's it's probably unnecessary just for your functional threshold power because you can just do a maximal steady state test for that or, or an inbuilt ramp test. As we said, most people are within about 10 watts when they come in anyway. They already know what their FTP is. Uh, I think it's pretty good for your zone too. It's not going to be perfect unless you can correlate the, the ventilation responses as well. Um, but I think it's going to be pretty good that, hey, look, it's at this, at a power of 200, I'm at 2.5, and then at 220, I'm at 3. Well, 3 is clearly too, going to be too high. So you're going to get pretty close with that zone too, which I think is really beneficial. I'd use it more for monitoring improvements. So you do a test now, and then you do another, the same sort of test in 6 or 12 weeks' time, and you, and you hopefully lactate has come down. That's a good way to monitor improvements. And in terms of insight into what training to do, it's okay, but it's limited because we don't have that fraction of expired oxygen. It's a hell of a lot better than using any generic equations and, and just using yep. heart rate data or just using power data. But uh, as you said, it, it's, it's limited looking at just, it, it's just like, we got heart rate, which is good. Heart rate and power, which is even better. Heart rate, power, lactate, which is another positive step in the right direction. And then heart rate, power, lactate, plus your, uh, your oxygen uptake of the muscles, plus things happening in the lungs, is the best case scenario. So it's definitely getting us into the right direction. Um, but it, it's 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 good, but but still limited overall. So you just need to make the decision for you. Is it, uh, is it a worthwhile investment? Uh, and then I guess also, uh, depending whether you're just a... Uh, uh, an athlete or maybe a professional coach or something you got to look at the legalities obviously behind being able to take that type of testing but if, if anybody ever wants information we're more than happy to to share with you um so just uh, as i said send nick an email nick at com or hit us up on instagram at mess performance more than happy to help people out that are looking at doing that type of stuff because any any way that we can improve uh, reliability and validity of people's testing and get us more towards that scientific approach. You know, that's that's better for for us and better for, for people's performances as well. Let's leave it there, mate. Uh, if anybody has any questions or podcast topics, please send them to nick at metsperformance.com or Instagram at metsperformance and we'll speak to you on the next episode. Hey podcast, Nick from Mets here. Hopefully you enjoyed another great episode of the Physiology Secrets podcast. If you want to keep up to date with any future episodes we produce, other content we create here, or just anything that's happening in the lab here in general, be sure to click the link below. Sign up to our weekly updates. We're going to receive some absolute gold in terms of what's happening in the lab, what are we seeing and observing, and also some of our old content as well that you might have missed to further understand the science behind endurance performance. So if you are interested, make sure you do click the link below, sign up for those weekly updates, and head over to our social media as well. Follow us along at Instagram, at Mets Performance. Head over to Facebook. We have a great YouTube channel as well. Be sure to check out all of our great content that is already up there, but also some of the great stuff that is coming soon. Thanks again. Be sure to share the podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed another episode and we'll see you in the next one.